God's love. Well, it's the grit, the traction, and the power to be all that God wants you to be. That's what we're going to explore here in this episode, which is episode number three. My name is Charles, and this is the Simple Not Shallow podcast, a podcast for those who want a deeper faith, not a confusing one. For that is what our name is all about, keeping faith in Christ simple. Well, simple enough that a child like myself can understand it, and yet not so shallow that when the storms of life hit, our faith is forced to run aground. In other words, we want a faith that's like a very good cup of coffee, really. Simple, strong, full of flavor, and richly satisfying. Much like this cup I have in front of me now. Yes, richly satisfying. <laughs> so here we go. Now the other day, I came across something in my reading. I was reading First Corinthians, and I found something that just leapt off the page at me. See, the kingdom of God is a matter of power and not of cheap talk. Well, in light of all we were talking about last time, this became quite electric. Love, the most important thing that a Christian must do, is also a matter of power and not of cheap talk. Now, before going any further with this, and I can't stress this enough, love is not a powerful tool, weapon, or excuse. To try and disguise any of those things as love is truly to not be loving at all. See, those who do these things are at best, well, hypocrites, and at worst. <laughs> well, I bet I don't have to tell you what they are at their worst, do I? So no, love is not any of these things. It is, however, the power, the grit, and the traction needed for living as God would have us to live. And that is to live as more than conquerors. Now track with me for just a little bit. First, well, let's consider God's ideas about power well, looking quite different from our ideas about it. See, in Isaiah, God tells us that His thoughts are not our thoughts and that His ways are not our ways. He says, For even as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So, what is God's concept of power? Well, I think that a good place is any to start with is with Jesus himself. I mean, Jesus is God, right? Now see, I found three passages in which he reveals parts of his concept of power. And in no particular order, here they are. In Mark, he says that in his kingdom, to be a leader, to be one in a powerful position, means that you are everybody else's servant. And then in Matthew, he says that in his kingdom, those who we deem to hold the first positions in life will become the last. And those who hold the last or the least positions in life will come to be the first. Now already, this seems a little backwards, does it not? Well, at least in terms of power. See, the last passage now that I'm going to touch upon is my favorite in dealing with this topic. For I find it to be the most intriguing statement Jesus makes about his kingdom. He says, and again, this is found in Mark, that his kingdom belongs to the childlike. 
See, the kingdom of God is a matter of power. And, and this is a big capital, and, the kingdom of God belongs to the childlike. The power of the kingdom of God, then, involves being childlike. Now, if that doesn't actually turn your idea of being powerful upside down, I don't know what will. However, with this in mind, let's take a look at what Jesus came to give us. For, you know, he was here on kingdom business, and he was full of kingdom power, correct? Now, in John, he tells us that he came that we might have life, and that, now, in abundance. The power of the kingdom of God, then, is found in the power to live life in abundance. Now, as a quick side note, I do find it very informative that no matter which translation of the Bible that I read, it is always the life that is given that is in abundance. It is never an abundance of things or of circumstances which surround that life. And as we will see, that is a simple and yet very, very profound difference. For I have never found any place where Jesus ever says, I have come to give you an abundance of things and to surround you with comfortable things. But I have found places where he tells us that, yes, here on this earth, we will indeed have trouble and never to fear or be upset by that because he has made us to be more than conquerors. Being an abundance of life involves being more than a conqueror. But, you may ask, how is that equated to love? Well, last time we saw that the two greatest commands ever given were to love. And we saw that every other command in the Bible is based on these two commands. Now, since Jesus came to give us an abundant life, it also seems no stretch of the imagination to see that this would include the ability to live life based upon these two commands. Indeed, I have found in the book of John where Jesus touches on this. He speaks about his joy being in us and our joy being complete as we abide in him and his love. It is as we abide in him that his love becomes the power needed for our joy to be made complete, that it becomes the power to live in abundance. Again, as we saw last time, it is only as we love that God, Jesus, abides in us and has his love perfected in us. See, love then is the key. It is the power that unlocks abundance in life. It is the power that helps us to live as more than conquerors. Now, if that is true, then love should provide all kinds of grit and traction that we need for living abundantly in our daily life, right? Well, I have found that it does so in at least two different areas of my life. First, it helps me thrive as I relate to others, especially to those who don't like me very much. I know that may come as a shock to some people, but there are some people who don't like me very much at all. And second, it helps me thrive as I relate to my own life when facing things which threaten to oppress me, which facing things that also don't seem to like me very much. Or at least, I probably should say that I don't like very much. So, let's consider first how it helps us thrive while interacting with those who, well, let's just say, 
who do not have our best interest at heart. And here, all romantic nonsense and mushy ideas about love get left in the dust. See, scattered throughout the New Testament are statements telling us of the traction God's love gives us in daily life. Well, it is the grit we need to show proper respect to everyone, to everyone. It is the power to bless when we are cursed, to pray for those who mistreat us, to do good to those who hate us, to be weak that others may be strong, to be dishonored that others may receive honor, to answer very kindly whenever we are slandered. It is the power not to repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but rather with blessing, because for this we are called. Now, did you hear that? It is the power to do that for which we are called. See, love is the power to love, as Jesus wants us to love. To love instead of retaliate. And until you can do this, you are not truly living in abundance, not truly being more than a conqueror. Like I said, so much for those warm, gushy, romantic ideas about love. Okay, so... That is how it relates to other people. What traction does this give us in relation to ourselves when, no matter what we do, things threaten to overwhelm us? Well, God's love is the grit needed to be foolish in Christ, to work hard, to endure persecution. It is the traction needed to live hard-pressed but not crushed, to live perplexed but not despairing, to be struck down but not destroyed. It is the power that we need to be persecuted, but knowing we are not abandoned, and to have the grit necessary for death to work in us so that life might be at work in other people. It is the power to be sorrowful and yet always rejoicing, to be poor and yet making many rich. It is the power to have nothing, and yet possess everything. And it is the power to be genuine, even though we are slandered as impostors. It is what helps you have peace, even as your world is crashing around you. That is to be living in abundance. And that is some pretty powerful stuff. And we are not done exploring this yet. It is the power to know that our troubles whatever they are, are light and momentary. Now, it does this by helping us keep our eyes focused not on what we can see, but on what we cannot see. For what we can see is temporary, and what we cannot see is eternal. See, what we can see is this world around us, what's going on around us, the physical, the material world. The unseen is God, the one who is bringing us home to him. You know, I do think it's also quite significant that we learn what Paul was calling light and momentary troubles. These included things like being flogged, being exposed to death time and time and time again, something called 40 lashes minus one, which was a beating he got five times. He was beaten with rods three times. He got stoned, that's with rocks, not drugs, right? He was shipwrecked three times. 
It involved being caught for a whole night and a day bobbing around in the open sea as a result of the shipwrecks. And it involves his going without food. Now, all of these are life and death matters, and they are what he was calling light and momentary. Now, if this was so for Paul, how much more so are these things in my life, which do not rise to the severity of his light afflictions? And you know, with this in mind, let me take a second and read for you a little something from what Paul says directly about love, just to see if anything new opens up for you as you think about everything we've talked about so far. This will be from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which says, Love is patient and is kind. Love doesn't envy. Love it doesn't brag. It isn't proud. It doesn't behave itself inappropriately. It does not seek its own way, is not provoked, takes no account of evil. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but it does rejoice with the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will be done away with. Where there are various languages, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will be done away with. For we only know in part, and we only prophesy in part. But when that which is complete has come, then that which is partial, that will be done away with. See, when I was a child... I spoke as a child, I felt as a child, I thought as a child. But now that I have become a man, I have put away those childish things. See, for now, we see in a mirror, well, dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, even as I am also fully known. But for now... Faith, hope, and love remain, these three, and the greatest of these is love. Now, as you think back over the grittiness of love, well, in terms of relating to others and to yourself, do you now have any new appreciations for the patience and the kindness of love? For it's not seeking its own way, for why it never fails while everything else will, or for how living from love is to put away childish things, and how of faith, hope, and love, love is the greatest. Do we now see how love is the power to be more than a conqueror in Christ, that it is the traction we need to be the salt of the earth and to rise above our circumstances and be that light upon the hill. That it is the power we need to be childlike and not childish. A very big difference. Well, what do you think? I'd love to hear from you. So please, 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 please go to simplenotshallow.com and under the Simple Not Shallow podcast section, find this episode which is number three, and leave me a comment there. And please tell me what opened up for you 
from hearing this reading of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Also, for your convenience, in the show notes, I will list all the verses that I referenced, and I will list them in the transcript that I posted at the position that I referenced them. You know, that way, you can check it out to make sure I'm not making any of this up or that I'm way out in left field. Because I don't want to be in left field. Anyway, also, please take a second to rate this episode and to subscribe to this podcast, The Simple Not Shallow Podcast, through the podcast service of your choice. You know, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whichever one you prefer. Well, that way, you can listen anytime, anywhere, any place, anyhow that you would like. And thank you so much for listening. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and until next time, well, love simply, love wisely, love well, and enjoy a good cup of coffee.